often say, oh, you know, Myrtle, she's part of the family. I am not part of your family. I will never be part of your family. If I'm part of your family, you need to let me sit at your table, and then you get up and you wash the dishes. Then I'm part of your family. Myrtle Whitboyd died on January 16th, her fierce voice stilled by cancer. An international labor activist who began her career as a young domestic worker in apartheid South Africa, Whitboyd was the general secretary of the South African Domestic Service and Allied Workers Union. She also served as the first president of the International Domestic Workers Federation a global organization of household and domestic workers, the first international labor federation run by women for work dominated by women. On today's show, we'll hear from Alexis de Simone, the global lead for domestic worker rights at the Solidarity Center. No matter what stage of any battle we were at, Myrtle came into every discussion, every planning or mapping session, every meeting with allies, with this unsinkable optimism, with this clear vision of justice, of what we were going to reach on the other side. We'll also hear Whitboy's emotional and inspiring speech at the 2013 AFL-CIO convention when AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka presented her with the George Meany Lane Kirkland Human Rights Award. Domestic workers for too long have been ignored or even forgotten. They make extraordinary sacrifices to support not only the families of their employers, but their own families. I never met Myrtle, but working on this podcast brought her alive for me. And I hope it does for you, too. And in labor history in two... The year was 1913. That was the day that the labor leader known as Mother Jones was arrested in West Virginia. I'm Chris Garlock, and this is Labor History Today. I'm a unionist. My mother was a kitchen girl. My father was a garden boy. That's why I'm a unionist. I'm a unionist. I'm a unionist. That's why I'm a unionist. That's why I'm a unionist. That's why. My name is Alexis D. Simone and I am the global lead for domestic worker rights at the Solidarity Center. Um, I met Myrtle Whitboy in 2011 in Cape Town at the Solidarity Center's uh, global conference on the informal economy. And while there, Myrtle had welcomed us into Community House, which was the headquarters for um, South Africa's domestic worker union. Uh, and that was the first time that I heard the song that I think is now famous for so many of us in the labor movement, 
Um, I won't try to sing, but my mother was a kitchen girl. My father was a garden boy, and that's why I'm a unionist. And I remember being moved to my core, um, hearing that song and hearing everybody in the room singing it together. And I think moments like that where Myrtle with a few words or with a refrain we'd all come to adopt from her um, could bring us all um, to be in one spirit of one mind um, and feel the ability to rely on each other's strength to reach our shared goals. And whenever um, I think of Myrtle, especially now, since her passing, um, it's those kinds of moments that I think of. Myrtle Whitboy um, was the first president of the International Domestic Workers Federation. And the International Domestic Workers Federation is the first and only global union federation founded and led exclusively by women of color from the global south in the informal economy. And that is such a tremendous game changer. And I am so honored to have been able to march and walk alongside of Myrtle and of the domestic workers. Myrtle had an optimism and a strength that she shared with everyone around her. Um, we were routinely um, at any moment planning any aspect of a campaign around domestic workers' rights. Um, it has never ceased to be a very uphill battle. And no matter what stage of any battle we were at, Myrtle came into every discussion, every planning or mapping session, every meeting with allies, with this unsinkable optimism, with this clear vision of justice, of what we were going to reach on the other side. And I think her deep conviction that when women, when the working poor, when women of color, when workers in the global south, when union sisters and brothers decide to join forces decide that they are in it together. There is no option but victory. And it didn't mean that we ignored how hard things would be, but we knew that these struggles would be worth it because we knew that there was victory at the end. And I think that is so much of Myrtle's legacy. It's, it's what she shared with her sisters in the domestic workers movement. It's what she shared with her sisters and brothers in the labor movement around the world. And I think it is what her legacy is going to mean to us today, moving forward um, and wanting to honor her life's work of justice for domestic workers. We haven't reached the end of the road yet. And like we said when we came here, we're not going back to our countries without a convention. Domestic workers first came together at an international conference in 2006. Today, we have 33 domestic workers' organizations as affiliates. 
My name is Esther Stevens and I'm a full-time domestic worker. Domestic workers, it took years of organizing to get to this moment. I will call all of us the movement of the people. The movement of the people is a tremendous movement. That's where the real power resides. We know that capitalism is going to make use of the informal sector and therefore it's important for informal sector to organize to fight the onslaught of capital. I'm a unionist. My mother was a kitchen girl. My father was a garden boy. That's why I'm a unionist. I'm a unionist. I'm a unionist. That's why I'm a unionist. That's why I'm a unionist. That's why I'm a unionist. I'm a unionist, I'm a unionist. My mother was a kitchen girl. My father was a garden boy. That's why I'm a unionist, I'm a unionist, I'm a unionist. That's why I'm a unionist, I'm a unionist, I'm a unionist. That's why. I'm a unionist, I'm a unionist, I'm a unionist. Sisters, I want to thank you for sharing your song with us and thank you for your inspiration. Uh, it's really an honor to have representatives from domestic workers' organizations from all over the world here with us today, from South Africa to South LA. Now, the annual George Meany Lane Kirkland Human Rights Award recognized the efforts of workers' rights advocates in some of the most testing and difficult environments around the world. It recognizes efforts to promote and defend workers' rights and to put workers' rights squarely in the middle of discussions around human rights, 
inclusive economics, and democracy. Domestic workers for too long have been ignored or even forgotten. They make extraordinary sacrifices to support not only the families of their employers, but their own families. They work in private homes, away from the public eye, from typical workplaces, and too often away from the law. And here in the United States, domestic workers do not enjoy basic protections under our labor laws. And the AFL-CIO is proud to have a partnership with the National Domestic Workers Alliance so that together, together, we can fight to defend and expand domestic workers' rights. And we applaud the actions of domestic workers here in the United States and around the world to have developed innovative ways of organizing and networking. Domestic workers' unions and associations have fought for and won passage of ILO Convention 189, Decent Work for Domestic Workers, and they've gone back home to their home countries and have lobbied their governments for ratification. Now, we are very, very, very proud to work in partnership with domestic workers in the United States and around the world to build a stronger and more representative labor movement. And we're proud to award the 2013 George Meany Lane Kirkland Human Rights Award to the International Domestic Workers Network and to Myrtle Witbui, uh, the General Secretary of the South African Domestic Servers and Allied Workers Union and Chair of the IDWN. Myrtle. To say this is for the domestic workers of the world. All that is present here. I know you had a very long day, and I know you must be all very tired. But I want to ask you just to listen for a minute to us. And just to listen to who we are and what we want. The year 2006, uh, FNV of Holland made it possible for domestic workers to come together in Holland. And when they got together there, we laugh, we cry, we sing. But we had one thing in common. We all wanted recognition as workers. Myself, being a former domestic worker, working for 12 years for the same family, I knew what it was and what we want. We wanted freedom, but it was not going to give to us on a golden platter. So what happened in 2006, like all good conferences, it got put away and it's quiet. The year 2008, the IOF together, again with FNV, made it possible for us to come together in Geneva. 
And even later, we again discuss what do we want? How do we see ourselves? Why is it that our work is not decent work? What are we doing? And we decide to really take the struggle forward. And then it's the wrong road, a long journey. We then form the International Domestic Workers Network. And we decided enough of slavery. We want to free ourselves. But we couldn't do it on our own. We needed help. And there was help in the form of Solidarity Center, IUF, WICO. There were so many people that come forward and offer us the help. But what is it that we really want? What is it that we want to achieve? We want to be workers like all other workers. And then all of a sudden the ILO decided. The ILO started the campaign of Convention 189. Now, if you go into the road and you ask a domestic worker convention 189, she's going to look at you because she don't know what you're talking about. But if you're going to ask her, what do you want? She'll start talking. And then you will say, that is what we want for all workers. So together with all these organizations and all these people assisting us, we took this long road to freedom. And slowly but surely, the international domestic workers became a workforce to be reckoned with. We start bringing in organizations, we start bringing in unions, we start mobilizing women, we start letting them speak out for themselves. It's what you want. What do you want to tell the ILO? What do you want to tell all that governments? What is it that we want? And then slowly but surely, 2010, 2011, this dream became a reality. And Convention 189 was then given to domestic workers. But Convention 189 is paper. This is all paper. Is that what we want as domestic workers? Do we want paper? The time has come for the world to give recognition to that woman that is getting up every morning, leaving behind our children, leaving behind our family. Sometimes some of us is so old, we are grandmothers. We still need to come out to foreign countries as migrant workers to be exposed, exploited by people like you, like us. And the time has come that this Convention 189 become a reality. But how will we make it a reality? On our own, we cannot do it. We need you. We need all the people together. Because I can assure you, many of you sitting here today are employers. Many of you sitting here today have us at your homes while you are here. So what are we doing? Aren't we not contributing to the economy of the country in a silent way by keeping your home safe, your children, while our children is away from us? So today, we are facing reality. In my country, we have mobilized we have fought, even if I've got a democratic country, even if I've got a democratic government, they still employers of domestic workers. So we actually had to sleep in front of the gates of government. We actually had to sit in the pouring rain and say, President Zuma, hear our voice. And it worked. He heard our voice. But why did we have to do that? Why do we have to remind people and governments about how important we are? 
Why do we always have to, you know, there was in South Africa, there was a system that if I get paid, I say, thank you, madam. Today I look very smart because I want to be a madam. So I want to say to you, we always say, thank you, madam. No, I don't want to say thank you, madam. I've worked for you. You have paid me. There's another, there's another thing that we often do. We often say, oh, you know, Myrtle, she's part of the family. I am not part of your family. <laughs> I will never be part of your family. If I'm part of your family, you need to let me sit at your table, and then you get up and you wash the dishes. Then I'm part of your family. So, this is what I want to say to you. I, I want to say to you that there is still so much exploitation. There is still so much suffering of the migrant workers. There is still so much work to do. Please support the domestic workers. America, we need to have a union in America. We need to know that the America is recognizing domestic workers and giving them the same labor rights that all other workers have. We want that. We, you cannot, we cannot stand here and we're having the biggest federation, this federation, AFL, CIO, I'm challenging you here today. I might not be alive when it happened, but I'm challenging you. Make the domestic workers of America dreams come true. Make them so that they can also have a union, that they can enjoy all the labor rights. I'm appealing to all the other countries that might be here. Please treat the migrant workers with respect. Treat them, they are women. They left behind their family. So my appeal to you, thank you so much for honoring us. My appeal to you, the struggle is far from over. What do we need to do now? Like these young girls had a dream. I too had a dream. Now we have a dream for our children. We want our children also to be educated. But we cannot educate them with the low salary we got. We need a good salary. We need a living wage. And this is what I want. Like Martin Luther, I want to leave this with you. We also had a dream. 46 years ago, I also had a dream. Sitting alone in a back room. I had a dream. Today, 46 years later, I'm standing. Our dream, for all of us, is becoming a reality. But we need you. So support us in the way forward. We need to educate. We need to mobilize, we need to make sure that domestic workers understand Convention 189. Only if we make them free, we as women, all of us can be free. So let us walk together. Domestic work is decent work. Slaves no more, but workers just like all of us. I thank you all. I love you, Marlo.
I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1913. That was the day that the labor leader known as Mother Jones was arrested in West Virginia. She was there to support coal miners during the Paint and Cabin Creek strike of 1912-1913. The West Virginia coal fields were one of the bloodiest sites of labor conflict in U.S. history. The bosses had evicted the striking workers from their company homes. As a result, the strikers lived in tent camps under dire conditions. 83-year-old Mother Jones visited these camps where she gave fiery speeches. In the fall, she organized a march of the miners' children through the streets of Charleston, West Virginia. Authorities saw Mother Jones as a troublemaker and wanted to expel her from their state. On February 7th, guards hired by the bosses attacked one of the minor camps with a machine gun mounted on an armored train. One striker died. The workers responded with an attack of their own, thus giving the governor the excuse to declare martial law. Mother Jones was arrested and put on trial for murder at a military court. The basis for her arrest was a speech she had given three months earlier. Mother Jones refused to recognize the authority of the trial, writing in her autobiography that my arrest and trial were unconstitutional. She was convicted and sentenced to 20 years. It was during this trial that Mother Jones was called the most dangerous woman in America. The sentence of this well-known labor leader spurred national outrage. The United States Senate ordered an investigation into the conditions of the West Virginia coal mines. West Virginians elected a new governor who released the beloved Mother Jones. Upon her release, she continued fighting for workers until the day she died at 100 years old. Like what you hear? Check out more at laborhistoryin2.com. And that's it for this week's edition of Labor History Today. You can subscribe to LHT on your favorite podcast app. Even better, if you like what you hear, and we sure hope you do, Please like it in your podcast app, pass it along, leave a review. That really helps folks to find the show. Labor History in Two is a partnership between the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show, that's a labor-themed radio show out of Pennsylvania. Very special thanks this week to Tula Connell at the Solidarity Center, who produced the Alexis D. Simone Remembrance, provided the links for the George Meany Lane Kirkland Human Rights Award recording, and wrote the original report on that award, both of which we've linked to in the show notes. Labor History Today is produced by the Kalmanovitz Initiative for Labor and the Working Poor at Georgetown University. Our team includes Ben Blake, Patrick Dixon, Leon Fink, Sherry Lincoln, Joe McCartan, Evan Papp, Jessica Pozak, and Alan Weirdak. For Labor History Today, this has been Chris Garlock. Thanks so much for listening. Keep making history. 
and see you next time.